1: A wild summer storm envelops a quaint Amish town in Ohio as a beloved wife and mother is tragically murdered.
2: Person not responding. Did you know the person's breathing?
1: I don't think she's
3: breathing.
4: They pull the covers back is when they see seen the gunshot wound and the blood.
3: The Amish just don't do things like that, and they were horrified that such a thing would happen.
1: As detectives hunt down a killer they quickly uncover a
4: tangled web of salacious affairs and double lives. She met him online on a dating site uh, under the name of the Amish stud. Soon, raging emotions rival the intensity of the storm
5: that masked a murder.
6: The thunderclap. you know, that is the key to this case.
5: If the storm hadn't happened, more people might have died.
1: In the northeastern corner of Wayne County, Ohio, about 60 miles south of Cleveland and Lake Erie, lies the small village of Apple Creek.
3: There's a filling station with a little bit of a grocery there, and then there's also a Dollar General store. Just a very small town and and small stores. It's more of a a quiet, laid-back kind of area. The county
1: is also home to one of the largest Amish communities in the U.S.,
3: The Amish don't like to live in really busy metropolitan areas, they like the country atmosphere where things are quieter and slower.
1: Known for simple living, plain dress, and Christian pacifism, the Amish refuse to adapt to many conveniences of the modern world.
7: They are very, very traditional, want to stick with the old ways, they want the community lifestyle where 40 people come together and build a house for their neighbor.
6: What tourists see when they visit is horse and buggies, there are no vehicles, uh, there's no television,
4: there are no power lines. There were no uh, computers, uh, no internet, uh, not really supposed to have any cell phones. But they do have a common phone mostly used for emergencies called a shanty. It was a community phone outside in a small little building that all the neighbors would use. There would be a voicemail there where you could leave a voicemail for whoever, and they could retrieve that. The only time their peace and quiet is
1: disturbed is in the summer months, when the area can experience extreme weather
5: changes. In the summertime, the Midwest is a battleground. You've got this moist, hot air coming in from the Gulf of Mexico, this drier air coming in from Canada. That causes pressure to build up and ultimately create big thunderstorms.
7: There are violent storms with lots of thunder, lightning and storm damage. We have tremendous amount of rainfall. And on the night of June
1: 1st, 2009, those powerful storms descend upon Apple Creek.
7: The weather in Wayne County was uh, particularly bad. There were violent thunderstorms, thunder and lightning, and that carried on over into the early morning hours of June 2nd.
1: The storms have receded early the next morning. The Wayne County Sheriff's Office receives a shocking 911 call from a woman using the Amish shanty.
6: Person not responding.
1: Did you know the person's breathing? No. Okay, you mean you don't know or they're not breathing?
6: I don't think
1: she's breathing. She says the person is her Amish neighbor, 30 year old Barbara Weaver. Barbara Weaver was born in 1979 into a large tight-knit Amish family in Wayne County, Ohio.
6: They were members of Andy Weaver Amish, which is the most conservative group
7: of Amish in America. They are very, very, very old school, very traditional, very resistant to any change, and uh, it's like going back in time.
1: Growing up, this was Barbara's way of life, and she loved it.
3: Barbara was a very gentle, soft spoken person. She seemed to really care about everybody.
1: When she turned 18, Barbara entered a rite of passage called roomspringa. when an Amish youth lives among the English or modern society
7: to experience the sin in the outside world. And you make your decision whether you're going to stay in the modern world or whether you're going to come back and embrace the Amish lifestyle.
6: Barbara's Roomspringa was uh, pretty quiet, and she did become baptized and and stay Amish.
1: After her Roomspringa, Barbara took an interest in fellow Amish teenager Eli Weaver.
3: Eli and Barbara knew each other from childhood. They went to the same church, they were in the same youth group, so they knew each other quite well. Eli was a very friendly, outgoing person, very charming and and pleasant
4: Eli didn't waste much time before asking Barbara's father for her hand in marriage. One thing about the Amish is when they do get married and they say the words, I do, uh, that's for
7: life until death doeth part. Divorce is almost unheard of in the Amish community. If one party would leave the other, they would most definitely be shunned and ostracized.
1: Shunning happens when an Amish person steps outside the church and
7: breaks a rule. It can be any degree of shunning that you're just not allowed to participate in events or everybody's just staying away from you or you're physically outcast and you're not allowed in the community
3: the shunning is something that's done as a way of showing tough love to the person and to ask the person to to come back to the faith and to want to be right with god again
1: both upstanding members of the amish community eli and barbara weaver married on may 27 1999 their family grew quickly in the first seven years as they welcomed five children, and Barbara embraced motherhood.
3: She really cared about them and she wanted the best for them. She really wanted to take care of her family.
1: To support them, Eli opened
4: up a fish and tackle shop across the street from their home called Maysville Outfitters. They sold firearms, hunting supplies, fishing supplies. Uh, he was an outdoors person, so uh, anything to do with hunting and fishing He tried to to get his hands on and sell it in his store. And like most Amish women, Barbara was a homemaker.
3: Barbara really liked to sew and that she liked to garden. She tried to focus very much on having everything neat and clean in her house.
1: By June of 2009, the Weaver family was doing well for themselves and were thriving members of the Amish community.
6: Barbara had attained much of what she'd hoped to to find is an Amish woman. Uh, she was married, was a wonderful mother. People adored her.
1: But now the family is in crisis as the EMTs race to their home. When the ambulance
4: arrives, the Weaver children and the neighbor who called 911 are waiting outside. EMS went into the room where Barbara was in in the bedroom. When they found uh, Barbara, uh, the the covers were up. When they pull back the covers, they realize they're too late. She was deceased with a uh, gunshot wound to the chest.
6: They knew that something terrible, terrible had happened.
1: As Wayne County detectives are called in, The residents of Apple Creek will soon realize that no one is safe from cold-blooded murder.
7: All of a sudden, the picture of the blissful Amish family life with five children has been shattered. And amongst them is a crafty killer who
1: tried to use Mother Nature to cover up their crime.
5: Some believe they thought the storm would help them get away with murder.
1: It's the morning after a June thunderstorm dropped almost an inch of rain on Apple Creek, Ohio, just south of Lake Erie.
5: The lake has a strong impact on our spring and summer weather. You've got this large reservoir of moisture, expanding our clouds higher up in the atmosphere. You get larger raindrops, and ultimately the instability can create intensely strong storms.
1: Now Wayne County authorities have found the body of 30-year-old Barbara Weaver, a cherished Amish wife and mother of five shot in her bed.
7: This is in an Amish community that is very close. These people are not only neighbors, they're family. So to have a family member like this shot and killed, it's frightening.
1: In the aftermath of the storm the neighborhood is buzzing as wayne county detectives arrive at the weaver house
3: i saw three sheriff's cars and i said what on earth is going on back there and the neighbors stood outside for hours just kind of watching seeing what's happening
1: investigators
7: immediately make their way to the body in the upstairs bedroom barbara weaver was found laid in bed probably asleep at the time this occurred. She had a right side chest wound, appeared to be from a shotgun. The fact there's no weapon there, there's no doubt this was a homicide.
4: Detectives gather clues to figure out what happened. There was a pillow used uh, during uh, this incident, which is usually a sign that somebody was trying to muffle a gunshot sound.
7: People think that'll muffle a sound, it actually doesn't, but it catches the unburnt gunpowder, which we call stippling. We were still able to determine that it was a close range shot because of the pillow.
1: Detectives believe this was likely a personal attack.
7: This is not a random shooting. The suspect had gone to all the trouble of trying to muffle the shot, commit this crime and leave. So this was the intended victim. This was intentional.
4: And nothing points to a robbery being the motive. There was money on the counter. The money downstairs in the basement was never touched. So you pretty quickly you start eliminating uh, different scenarios, a home invasion, a robbery, a theft or anything like that. Investigators scour inside and outside to find how the shooter got in. There was no signs
7: of any forced entry into the residence. That could tell us that someone had keys or the door was left open intentionally or that they just didn't lock their
1: doors. They hope the recent storms may have caused the killer to leave a clue.
7: With the rainfall, there's always a chance you might have some muddy footprints inside the house or a shoe impression on the outside of the house. Nothing like that was discovered.
1: But based off of the evidence they do have, detectives have a good idea of the killer's mindset.
7: When there are five children in the house, as well as your intended victim, that rises to another level. So it's... a uh, tells you a very lot about your suspect. As
1: CSI continues to process the house, detectives speak with the Weaver children and the neighbor who called 911. The neighbor is still shaken as she walks them through that morning. She tells police that shortly after 8 a.m., the Weaver's nine-year-old son showed up at her door, panicked about their mother.
6: Barbara Weaver loved to get up early in the morning, and the children started, you know, filtering downstairs, and they couldn't find her.
3: They had gone into her room to wake her up, and they saw there was blood. They were just horrified. They called the oldest boy to come in, and then he decided to go for help.
1: The neighbor tells detectives that she knew Eli had gone fishing that morning on Lake Erie, so she hurried over there.
6: The neighbor looked at Barbara, and she knew she was dead.
1: That's when she went to the shanty to call 911. Detectives speak with Barbara's son next, and he says that he'd slept in the living room the previous night because of the raging thunderstorm.
6: The nine-year-old boy believed that his father had come in around midnight, showered, and gone to bed. And he knew his father was leaving early to go fishing, and he was being picked up by a friend at 3 or
1: 3.30 in the morning. Investigators ask him if he saw or heard anything strange.
6: During the night, he said he heard a huge thunderclap. He assumed it was thunder uh, related to the storm, and he went back to sleep.
5: Thunder is a booming sound wave. It happens when that lightning bolt heats up the air around it. It takes that air and expands it explosively fast. So from the distance, thunder maybe sounds like a rumble. But if that lightning strikes nearby, it is nothing but a loud clap.
1: And that sound is amplified in Apple Creek.
7: In Amish country, there are no high-rise buildings. There uh, is nothing to kind of muffle or decrease the sound of thunder. And When a thunderclap hits, when lightning strikes, you'll feel it. You'll hear it.
1: Investigators wonder if perhaps the thunder the boy heard wasn't thunder at all, but the shotgun blast. Unfortunately, the child isn't sure what time he heard it.
7: The weather can hurt us when there's thunderstorms, especially ones with a lot of thunder and lightning. This can create problems for witnesses. A lot of thunder claps. People just discount what may have actually been a gunshot.
1: As police wrap up the crime scene, news spreads fast about Barbara, and the entire community is astonished.
6: Crime is very rare among the Amish. This was just the third murder in 250 years among the Amish. Um, so they were shocked.
1: Detectives know Eli Weaver is on the lake, but they need to talk with him as soon as
7: possible. It's problematic because he's Amish and should not have a cell phone. So you kind of have to put everything in a hold method, uh, hold status for a little while until you can speak to him.
1: Luckily police learned some of the men who had gone on the fishing trip charter with Eli are not
7: Amish. And they were able to contact one of those individuals through their cell phone and uh, actually speak to Eli and ask him to come back.
1: As Eli Weaver arrives at the sheriff's department, detectives hope he can shed some light on how his Amish wife wound up murdered.
7: And the first person I would want to talk to are the closest family members, and in this case, the husband.
9: Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery.
1: In June 2009, authorities in Wayne County, Ohio, are investigating the murder of Barbara Weaver, a 30-year-old Amish wife and mother, found shot to death in her own home during a wild thunderstorm.
5: Thunderstorms can basically occur anywhere across the country. And that night in Apple Creek, you had dew points in the mid to upper 40s, but you have enough instability left over from the storms prior in the day that still gave them fuel to create thunder and lightning
7: that night.
1: The only witness who heard anything was her nine-year-old son.
7: The son of our victim was awakened by a loud noise. It was probably the gunfire. But given the storms and him being in a deep sleep, I can't imagine that he would have thought that there was anything other than thunder.
1: Detectives are about to question Barbara's 29-year-old husband, Eli Weaver, who had left for a fishing charter that morning on Lake Erie at 3 a.m. Four hours later, Eli arrives at the Wayne County Sheriff's Office. He shows little emotion as he talks investigators through the last 24 hours of his life.
6: Eli had spent June 1st with his friends fishing at Lake Erie. Eli probably was getting home around midnight. He showered and went to bed for a couple of hours. The storm was building all that evening and late at night.
5: You see, when a thunderstorm hits the mature stage, you get a downdraft that occurs. That's basically when all of this air that's been rising comes crashing down towards the surface. And within that downdraft, you get your most intense rainfall rates, and you get very strong wind gusts.
1: Eli says the rest of his family was asleep. He saw his son sleeping on the recliner and checked on him before heading to bed himself. Eli tells detectives that he overslept and woke around 3 a.m., when the driver for today's fishing trip arrived and knocked on the door. But investigators find it odd he'd go fishing during
7: a storm. Lake Erie does have such a reputation for being a violent area during any storms. Lake Erie is notorious for its high seas. So for an experienced uh, charter boat person like Eli was, for him to go with either the possibility of those storms, the storms just abating or more storms coming in, Uh, is really kind of telling.
1: But Eli says at that point the storm was winding down.
5: Once that downdraft dominates the thunderstorm, it really loses its momentum. That updraft can no longer support the warm, moist air mass. And so basically at that point, the storm dies down or quote unquote dissipates. So the rain will taper off and eventually the storm will just end.
4: It was still raining outside, but you still travel all the way up to Lake Erie hoping that things calm down enough that you can get out on the lake and uh, fish.
6: So he didn't even think about canceling the fishing trip because by the time they got to Lake Erie, the storm would be uh, gone and they'd have a great fishing
7: trip. At 3 a.m., he told his wife he was leaving, uh, gave each other a kiss, and he left. So there was a starting point when you knew she was alive at 3 a.m.
1: Since he was obviously on the lake after 3 a.m., it appears Eli had nothing to do with his wife's murder.
7: He was an hour and a half away with other individuals who can verify. But detectives can't be sure until
1: the autopsy is completed.
7: The time of death has not been established yet. Uh, And so he could have been there or he could not have been there. So it does not eliminate him.
1: As Eli is released, police ask him if his wife had any
7: enemies, but he can't think of one. She was the best wife she could be to Eli and enjoyed the Amish lifestyle.
3: There is absolutely no reason for anyone to want to harm her.
1: As the investigation gets underway, detectives uncover shocking tales of infidelity.
7: He had his own secret life going on. Maybe uh, they thought that if they eliminated Barbara, they could have him.
8: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
9: And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's TV slash poppods to get 50% off your first month.
1: Investigators in Ohio are searching for the killer of Barbara Weaver, a young Amish mother whose murder was veiled by a summer thunderstorm. Her husband, Eli Weaver, appears to have a solid alibi as detectives wait for autopsy results.
7: He definitely was on a Lake Erie. I don't know how you could have a better alibi than that.
1: The following morning, detectives received Barbara's autopsy report.
6: The autopsy showed that Barbara Weaver died from a shot from a 410-gauge shotgun, and there were six pellets that did most of the damage to her body. All of her organs were hurt.
1: The single gunshot punctured her right lung and her right and left atrium.
6: She was shot at very close range. There seemed to be
7: some a struggle had perhaps taken place. Contrary to popular belief, not all gunshot wounds uh, are an instant death. However, in this case, I would be satisfied to say that this was probably a a very quick death. Uh, It was a massive wound. There didn't appear to be any movement of the victim after the gunshot.
1: And the coroner is able to narrow down the time of death, which only solidifies Eli's alibi.
6: The autopsy found uh, the death most likely occurred between 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. So that time becomes, of course, very critical to
1: the investigation. But if Eli didn't kill his wife, then who did? To widen their net, detectives talk with Barbara's friends and family and quickly learn that the couple's marriage wasn't as perfect as it appeared.
7: This was not uh, a blissful, peaceful marriage. There were problems. One of the family members outlined several extramarital affairs by Eli to the point that he was caught red-handed two times, and he was shunned on several occasions by the Amish community.
3: He had to stand up in church and make a confession. That's basically what they do. And then they're accepted again.
1: They say Eli's wandering ways started back during his room spring.
3: Because he was exposed to all this temptation, he just found it so irresistible that he decided just to keep doing it on the sly even after he was a member of the church because it had such a hold on him. He had his own secret life going on. Barbara had been going
6: to counseling uh, to talk about how Eli was having affairs with non-Amish women.
3: Barbara was aware of the relationships because she came across letters that people had sent him. And of course, and she was very sad about it. He was coming and going. and. She didn't really know what to expect from him. She felt very hurt, but she loved him so much that she would have laid down her life for him if it had been
7: necessary. She really cared that much about him.
1: They knew Barbara felt trapped.
7: The average person in the uh, modern world would say, well, why don't you just get a divorce and move on? You have to realize the situation Barbara Weaver was in. Uh, She has five children with Eli. Eli is the sole wage earner for her. And divorce is not a readily available option in the Amish community. And where is she going to go?
1: This new information is very concerning to investigators, but it also brings in a new pool of potential suspects.
7: Perhaps it was one of these women that Eli was having an extramarital affair with that could have been involved. Maybe uh, they thought that if they eliminated Barbara, they could have him. Who knows? There's so many different possibilities now. And like I say, You just gotta go towards the most promising direction and keep plugging it along.
1: But before detectives can even explore that path of inquiry, a strange piece of evidence emerges when the sheriff's department receives a concerned call from one of the Weaver's neighbors.
6: They said, you know, there's a voicemail on our shanty phone that you should hear.
1: Investigators head back down to the Amish community and listen to the message and it's
7: chilling saying that uh uh eli you can run but you can't hide obviously we got the wrong person last night alluding to that eli was the intended target it was a male voice on the phone Now that opens up a whole other realm of possibilities
4: so when you receive um, information like that during an investigation uh, could mean you're getting too close to the real person the crime could have been committed by one of the many girlfriends that eli had their boyfriend husband uh, spouse um, so those were all things that you had to look into could eli not barbara have been the killer's intended victim
1: investigators bring eli weaver back in for more questions oddly enough eli has no problem admitting to being unfaithful to barbara in the past
7: eli told about having extramarital affairs. He named two of the individuals, Barb Braver and Dandy Heasley. But he says those
1: affairs are long over.
7: Your next question logically is, Eli, who would be having a problem with you? And in the interview, Eli said he had no idea that anybody would have any problem with him. Investigators ask him about the threatening voicemail. The message was played to Eli, and Eli said he didn't know who the caller was. It was just... One of those interviews where you gained a lot of information you probably were not expecting to get. You had names of other individuals now that you were unaware of that you could go and interview.
1: Police let him go and track down the two women.
7: They call the first woman Eli named 39-year-old Barb Raber. She was actually raised by an Amish family and converted to uh, be a Mennonite. She uh, was married and uh, had three children and lived nearby in Millersburg.
4: Barb Raber was known as an Amish hauler. When the Amish need a ride, they call them and they hire them to uh, transport them where they need to go.
7: She was uh, very familiar with Eli. He was one of the people that she would uh, take uh, in her taxi. With more questions than answers,
1: detectives decide to bring in Barb Raber for questioning. When they ask about her relationship with Eli, she admits that they started an affair four years earlier.
6: Barb Raber tells the detectives that her affair with Eli had ended altogether. It had been probably uh, six months since they'd been uh, involved. Barb told sheriff's detectives, you know, Eli was my best friend. I encouraged him to stay and work on his marriage.
7: Raber stated that even though she had ended the relationship with Eli Weaver, she still continuously drove him where he needed to be as part of her taxi service. They asked Barb how much her husband knew about her involvement with Eli. Barb did tell the investigators that her husband knew nothing about the affair. So that really potentially eliminated Barb Raber's husband as as being the voice on the phone.
1: They asked her to go over her whereabouts around the time Barbara Weaver was killed.
6: Barb Raber had taken Eli
7: and his friends fishing the day before the murder. Later, she had uh, picked Eli up at Lake Erie, and dropped him off at his residence at 11 p.m. Then she had gone home. She says
4: she was asleep between 3 a.m. and 7 a.m. She stated that she was at home sleeping in bed with her husband, and her husband did confirm that she was at home uh, in bed with him.
1: Next, detectives turn to the other woman involved with Eli, Dandy Heasley, and she blows the case wide open.
7: This interview with uh, Dandy
8: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
9: Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500 500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500 500.
8: What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have or the friends you find along the way? (laughs) Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.
1: Detectives in Wayne County, Ohio investigating Barbara Weaver's murder believe it's somehow connected to her husband, Eli's long history of infidelity. Unfortunately, a raging summer thunderstorm helped the killer conceal their crime and get away clean from the scene.
5: A clap of thunder typically registers at 120 decibels. Now think about that. That's 10 times the sound of a jackhammer. And so that could cause temporary deafness and easily disguise a gunshot.
1: After Eli Weaver's former lover Barb Raber's alibi is confirmed by her husband, detectives meet with the second woman he named, 25-year-old Dandy Heasley.
7: She was quick to admit the affair with uh, Eli, but denied any involvement in the homicide of Barbara Weaver. But what she does
4: say gives detectives pause. She revealed to them that she met him online on a dating site under the name of the Amish stud.
7: And Dandy told the investigators that Eli did in fact have a cell phone, that he kept as a secret at his store. Dandy also shares details of her affair with Eli. When uh, she and Eli would meet up for their affair, it was at his uh, shop, which you have to remember was right across the street from his house where his wife and five children were.
1: Dandy says the affair didn't last long because she started seeing some major red flags. And what she says next
4: grabs detectives full attention. Dandy revealed that Eli had actually talked to her about killing his wife uh, and different ways of killing his wife.
7: That uh, he knew which mushrooms were poisonous and maybe they could kill Barbara Weaver that way.
4: This set off
1: major
7: alarms for investigators. This is not pillow talk or anything with your mistress. This is a guy that really wants to have somebody kill his wife.
1: Investigators try to contact Eli on his secret cell phone, but it's been disconnected. Although they're still able to subpoena his phone records, while they wait for the results, investigators learn that Eli's second cell phone is not actually registered to him.
4: It was discovered that the cell phone was registered and was owned by Barbara Raber. And Barb's innocence is quickly called into question when phone records come back,
1: showing numerous shocking text messages between her and Eli.
7: Investigators discover that they're uh, very sexually explicit, that the affair had not ended six months prior, as Raber had alluded to in her interview. Those text
6: messages told detectives everything. It told them where Eli had been and not been, where Barb Raber had been.
1: But more importantly, it shows the two were trying to come up with a plan to get away with murder.
7: There were numerous contacts from uh, Eli and Barb to each other about different ways to kill Barbara Weaver. On the night of the murder,
1: there are texts between Eli and Barb finalizing the plans.
6: When... Eli was on the fishing trip. Her assignment was to drive to the house, park somewhere in the woods,
7: and go in and shoot Barb. Raber is saying, well, it'll be dark. Eli tells her to take a flashlight. He tells her where to park. Uh, Eli further tells her, I'll leave the basement door open.
4: Eli gave Barbara Raber the means and the method of uh, how to kill his wife.
1: Around 3.30 a.m. on June 2nd, there's
4: one final exchange between them. There was a text message from Barbara Raber to Eli saying it's done.
7: She told him to get rid of the phone and not give his phone to the police, that uh, she would get him another one. The pieces of the puzzle
1: have all fallen into place. On June 10th, just a week after the homicide, both Barb Raber and Eli Weaver are arrested for the murder of Barbara Weaver.
7: The Amish community uh, was just rocked by the fact that uh, Eli Weaver, who had been shunned several times and was taken back, and Barb Raver, who was a valued member of the community, have done this horrible homicide.
1: And when detectives search Barb Raver's home, they don't find the gun, but they do find more revealing evidence.
7: They seized her cell phone and her computer, and when searching the computer, They found 841 searches on how to kill someone. That shows your intention. That shows purpose.
1: With the two lovers in custody, will they hang together as a united front or turn against each other to save their own skin?
4: It was easy for him to turn against Barbara.
7: She went on to say that uh, everything was Eli's plan and that she carried it out for
2: Eli.
1: A loud thunderstorm on the night Barbara Weaver was murdered turned out to be more pivotal than anyone imagined.
5: Weather played a huge role in this case. It set the stage for murder and gave Barb the cover she needed.
7: The weather certainly aided her uh, to be able to get to Barbara Weaver's room undetected and then leave undetected. Raber used the weather that night to help get away with this murder.
1: Luckily, the only witness thought he heard thunder instead of the gunshot
4: which may have saved his life. So had the circumstances been different, uh, the child probably would have heard that that gunshot and could have been awakened from sleeping and potentially we would have had more victims uh, being harmed.
1: After their arrest, Eli Weaver refuses to talk to investigators. But Barb Raber has a lot to say.
7: She basically laid out the entire series of events, uh, how she and Eli had planned it. She went on to say that uh, everything was Eli's plan and that she carried it out for Eli. But she claims this was all a terrible accident. She did say that she stood in the doorway. She was just going to scare Barbara Weaver because... Eli and her were afraid that Barbara was becoming aware of their affair.
4: And the gun accidentally went off, shooting Barbara Weaver. But police aren't buying it.
7: When investigators started hitting Raber up with some of the hard facts, the shot could not have been fired from the doorway. Uh, The shot was fired close range. That's when Raber's uh, attitude changed and she asked for a lawyer.
1: Later that month, Barb Raber and Eli Weaver are both indicted for the aggravated murder of Barbara Weaver and plead not guilty.
7: Obviously, he and Raber were working in concert. He is just as guilty of aggravated murder as Barb Raber is, even though he was not the trigger man.
1: On August 27th, 2009, just weeks before the trial, Eli decides to flip on his lover and makes a deal. He agrees to plead guilty to complicity to commit murder and testify against Barb for a sentence of 15 years to life.
7: Eli SAYS SHE IS THE MASTERMIND BEHIND ALL THIS AND HE'S JUST THE TAG-ALONG. HE'S GIVEN UP THE WOMAN THAT HE BASICALLY SOLICITED TO KILL HIS WIFE.
1: IN SEPTEMBER 2009, BARB Raber GOES TO TRIAL. PROSECUTORS LAY OUT WHAT THEY BELIEVE HAPPENED.
7: This case is just a a typical case of a self-centered man who uh, liked his extramarital affairs and would stop at nothing to eliminate his wife.
3: Eli knows if he leaves the community, he's gonna be shunned. People aren't gonna
4: want to do business with him. The only way that he felt he could get out of that marriage was if she dies.
3: After repeated failed
4: attempts
1: to enlist his lovers to kill Barbara for him, he was finally able to convince one.
3: Barb cared that much about him that she was willing to do what he said.
1: After researching different poisons, the two decided on a gunshot. And in the early morning of June 2nd, 2009, during the summer storm, they executed their plan.
6: I think they waited until they knew there'd be a storm that might cover up the sound of the shooting and and driving up to the house.
1: While her husband slept, Barb slipped out of the house. She had taken a 410
7: shotgun from her husband's gun cabinet.
1: According to their texts, on the way
4: there, Barb started to get second thoughts.
7: Eli um,
4: had been texting Barbara saying stay the course um, and that he left the basement door unlocked for her. Barb Raber arrived sometime at the
6: house between 3 and 3.15 in the morning.
4: After parking behind the barn, she snuck in through the unlocked basement door. Raber went up the basement steps. She snuck past the child sleeping in the living room and entered the bedroom uh, where Barbara Weaver was laying at, sleeping. She grabs a pillow and places it on Barbara's chest and fires. And one of the kids that was sleeping downstairs thought that the sound from the shotgun was actually thunder from the storm. Which allowed Barb to sneak back out of the house
6: And sometime around 3.30, she texted him that the shooting had taken place. And she went back home, and her husband swore to detectives. He never knew that she'd been gone, but of
1: course she had. Although the murder weapon was never found, the
4: prosecution presents evidence of the threatening voicemail left for Eli. Barbara Raber actually had gotten another mail, friend to place the threatening phone call to allow uh, to try to get law enforcement away from her being the suspect.
7: So she is uh, very instrumental in every part of this crime.
1: But her defense team insists Barbara's death was a tragic accident.
7: Even though she's trying to minimize her involvement, there's no way around the 841 different searches that she made. There's no way around the text messages. There's no doubt she is the trigger man.
1: And when Eli Weaver takes the stand, it seals her fate.
7: Eli Weaver takes the stand and starts testifying about everything that had occurred.
1: After a three-day trial on September 19th of 2009, the jury comes back with a guilty verdict.
7: Barb Raber was convicted uh, on the aggravated murder charge and sentenced to 23 years in prison.
3: The community was very shocked and saddened that someone could be so cruel. It would have been so much better if he had just left, and the community would have rallied around Barbara and those children.
1: Barbara Weaver's heartless murder has left a family that will grieve forever.
7: The ultimate tragedy is you leave five children behind. Barbara Weaver is the victim, but those five children are uh, victims as well.
1: In the end... Barb and Eli tried to use nature's concert to hide their shameful criminal actions and get away with murder.
5: It seems like they chose the best case weather scenario to commit a crime. I mean, you have the crackling of thunder, the pounding of rain on the rooftop, just the natural noise a storm makes. I mean, ultimately, they didn't have to be that careful.
7: But the sun never perceived it as a gunshot. And that's that's probably a good thing in retrospect. So. The weather helps, the weather hurts sometimes. In this case, it's a little bit of both.